It's intense. I tell you, his his dad called me a couple hours after his son died on Monday. And just the peace of this man who had just lost his son and telling me about the last day in Clayton's life because they, he knew he was going. I mean, he had this, this nonstop nosebleed for like 10 hours and they just knew this was the end. And in fact, I talked to some friends of mine, this one guy who was actually working on that film last week that they, you know, that they were doing right up until the time that he died. And, and they were saying there was this one point when, um, when, uh, they were on the freeway and, and one of the cars ran out of gas. There were two cars and one of the cars ran out of gas. So they pulled off to the side, tried to figure out what was wrong and said, okay, well, we'll go get help. The other car drives away to go get help. And then that car breaks down. And so they're like, man, what are we doing? They're running out of time. And then uh, they finally get there. And the guy that was doing all the filming forgot part of the camera. And so everyone's just like, we're, we're never going to, everyone was stressed out except for Clayton. Clayton, they said the whole time he's just smiling and humming. He was in another world. He knew that any day he was going to be out of here. And when you have that perspective, nothing can get you down. It's just this whole, that's why, just like he says in the video, just like he said when he was at our church, he just says, look, I I don't, I I feel sorry for you guys because you don't live like this could be your last day. You're living like you could be on this earth forever. He goes, I know, I know one of these nights I'm going to fall asleep, fall into a coma and never wake up. I'm aware of that and it changes my mindset. And he goes, and I'm scared for you guys because you're not thinking about this next life that's coming. And that's everything Paul was saying in Philippians, right? He's just saying, look, we're not citizens of this earth. We don't have our mindset on earthly things. And, And I thought, what a perfect way to start off this message of Philippians 4, 4, where it says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Man, that that was Clayton, man. And, and no matter what was going on, he was rejoicing. Why? Because he was in another world. He wasn't thinking about things of the earth. But I tell you, it was amazing to talk to his dad, that his dad would call me just right after it happened and just tell me the events and tell me what it was like. Because it's one thing for me to stand up here and tell you guys, hey, rejoice in the Lord always, you know, because things are going great in my life right now. But it's quite another thing when your son just died. Uh, Your son who's battled leukemia since he was a kid just passes away and you can hear a peace and a joy. Not that he was, you know, jumping up and down, laughing, anything like that. But but there was even amidst the pain and the tears of this week, there was a peace. There was a joy. There was rejoicing in his soul. And uh, I got to ask you, is that what you're known for? Do people see you as a rejoicer? Someone who rejoices in the Lord always, no matter what's going on. Philippians 4. You know, before I get into to verse 4, I didn't read verses 2 and 3 last week, and so I'll, I'll just hit those real quick. Um, Philippians 4, he says in verse 2, he goes, I, I, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. So those were just a couple of women in the church that were fighting. Sometimes that happens. And, uh, and, and it's interesting that all, all Paul does is he goes, hey, I'm telling this person, this person, knock it off. Get together in the Lord. Okay, I, I love that. I wish it were that easy today. See, back then there was like an authority in the church. It's like, wow, Paul told us to get along. Let's get along. Let's work this thing out. We, we've lost all sense of spiritual leadership or any type of leadership. 
or authority figure in our wouldn't it be great if i could just say you know to a married couple that's ready to divorce you guys knock it off you know just work it out you both call yourselves christians work it out really should be that that easy it really should be this idea of look you both call yourselves believers figure out there's something much bigger than your little marriage here so work that thing out because we're trying to paint a picture to the world to people who are dying people who are going to hell work it out and here paul's saying you know what i'm telling you i'm telling this these two ladies work it out work it out agree in the lord there's something bigger going on here. He's talking about eternal things. And then he says in verse 3, he goes, Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. So I, I love how that's what leads into rejoice in the Lord always. He says, yeah, and help out these other people because they're about the gospel. Maybe there were some people that were hurting financially or, or they just need some help. He goes, you want to help them out? These are your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Their names are written in the book of life. Now, when's the last time you rejoice because your name was written in the book of life? When's the last time you even thought about your name being in the book of life? The thought that in heaven, your name's written there. For those of you who have decided to follow Jesus. And I don't know if your name's in there. I know mine's in there. Uh, you know, are, but are you rejoicing? And when's the last time you rejoiced over that? It's because Jesus, Jesus at one point when he sent these disciples out, they came back rejoicing. They're filled with joy. They're going, man, even the demons submit to us. We have power over snakes, everything. And they're so fired up. And Jesus says to them, he goes, don't rejoice that the demons submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In other words, don't rejoice in things that are up and down, up and down, unstable. Rejoice in something that's just there. God is always there. That's why he's saying rejoice in the Lord. Your name's written in the book of life. Are you a rejoicer? See, because this is a command here. And, and this is this has bugged me about this passage. Is I never really took it seriously when I was younger. Because rejoice does not sound like a command. Right? It's too happy to be a command. You know, a command is don't kill anyone, you know? And it's like, okay, 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 I won't kill anyone. That's a command. But rejoice? Can God really command us to rejoice? See, this is an absolute command. In fact, I don't see another command in all of Scripture that's written like this. Where he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Then he goes, and I'll say it again, rejoice. You don't have any other commands like that. He doesn't say, don't kill anyone. Let me say it again. Don't kill anyone. <laughs> he doesn't do that with any other command in Scripture. And yet here in Philippians, when he's, he's talked about rejoicing already, now he says it again at the end of the letter. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. And remember who's writing this. This is Paul writing from prison. This is not a guy that's got his nice little life and everything's set up and he's, he's loaded and just going, hey, rejoice. No, this is a guy that's been beat up, who's lost everything for the sake of the gospel, and now is chained, and he's writing this letter, rejoice, always. Rejoice in the Lord, always. I wish you could see your faces right now. You're all like, what's he talking about? Rejoice in the Lord, always. Man, here's the thing is, okay, and... And I know, I know a lot of you guys, you guys are pretty happy people, but there's also, 
there are people and and here's the thing is because we don't take this as a serious command i have yet to man i'm going to do it this service but i don't we don't confront people on this issue of non-rejoicing but that's a sin like everything else we'll confront them if they're having an affair but do you confront those people? Because there are people, people in this church, man, every time I meet with you, you're just, you're a, you, you suck all the life out of me. You know, you're mad about something, you're bummed, always. I mean, there are people I've come up to before I go, hey, what are you mad about this week? Because, and, and you'll make every excuse, well, you don't know my life, you don't know this, you don't know that. You guys, it's, it's not about that. It's not about circumstance. Man, don't you understand? God wants to see His children as, as, as children of joy. See, because that's what brings Him glory. Someone was asking me on a plane two days ago. They go, hey, what, what do you mean by bringing glory to God? How do you bring glory to God? And I said, you bring glory to God. I mean, because he was saying, you know what? God's already so glorious. You can't make Him more glorious. I go, no, you, you don't. You don't make Him more glorious. But I go, the way I see it is you're, you're, you're sharing his glory with everyone else and telling people how wonderful he is. And, and it's through your satisfaction in him, through your contentment in him, where people go, man, man, this God, he, he really is enough for you. I go, yeah, yeah, the Lord's my shepherd. I shall not want it. It makes them go, wow, what is this that you have with this God that brings you so much joy and peace when everyone else is stressed out right now? You seem okay. And I was telling this guy, I go, it's, it's like I remember... Um, don't you love it when your kids love being your kids you know and even when they say oh yeah my friends my friends go man i wish i had your dad or i wish i had your family that's just the greatest it makes you go yeah i am a pretty good dad you know and uh i remember i remember one time it was years ago my daughter came home one of my daughters came home with a, a test score she got an f on a test now that's unacceptable in my house no no asian gets an f and uh <laughs> <laughs> even if you're only half it's still it's just not right so she comes home and she knows we i, I don't i don't we don't do that here and and uh and so she's stressed out right she's stressed out and you know i come home you know that day and she shows me this she's like okay what are you gonna do what are you gonna do and i just remember looking at her and you know my mind's spinning right then and she goes, what, what are you going to do to me? <laughs> you just see on her, her face. I go, okay, honey, this is what I'm going to do. We're going we're gonna to go out to dinner, and I'm going to take you to a movie, and then we're going to get ice cream afterwards. And I said, and here's why. I said, I want you to understand what God has done for your father. I go, do you understand that I've done some terrible things in life? Your dad's done some bad, bad things. And God showed me something called mercy where he didn't punish me for those things. But then instead, he's blessed me and he's blessed my life. He's given me you, your brother, your sisters. He's given me this amazing life down here, the church, all my friends. I go, that's called grace when you're given something you don't deserve. And so even though you got this F and you deserve punishment, I'm going to show you mercy and not punish you. Even though, you know, you deserve some, you don't deserve a reward, I'm going to reward you anyways because that's grace when you're given something you don't deserve. Now, this isn't going to happen again. So, <laughs> so remember this. Keep this in your memory. But, uh, you know, I remember uh, she was telling me the next day at school, all her friends were like, man, what happened? What happened? And, and she told them, they're like, man, you got the greatest dad in the world. 
And I'm like, yeah, you do, honey. You got to figure that out. And uh, but but there's there's a glory that comes to me when when my friend, my kids say, you know what? Everybody wants to be in our family like they love our family, love being around. It brings you glory, right? Because you're going, man, you know, that's my kid. That's my kid. They're in a sense glorifying me and take that in the right way. Not that I'm like this egomaniac, but I'm just saying that's that's what happens and in the same way with the father. I mean, don't you understand that that the people ought to see a peace and a joy and this excitement in us where people actually look at you and every time they hang out with you they don't get bummed out they just go man what is this about you and this family you're a part of i want that i want to be a part of this family i want your dad I want your dad. You keep talking about, even though you lost your job, even though you, you lost your, your, your home, even though you lost your child. Like there's this, I don't get it. What is this? I want a piece of that. Man, is that the picture of a child of God that you're giving to the world? Because if not, man, it's, it's like every other sin. Rejoice. This is a command. It's in the imperative. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. And some of you guys go, well, but that's not me. I'm just not, you know, some people, have, you guys, this is not about a certain gift that you're given. Man, and, 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 and understand, when I look at this passage, this whole idea of rejoicing, I'm like some of you where naturally, I, 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 I'm a problem solver. My mind goes straight to problems and I try to fix it. I've always been this way. I, ever since I was a little kid, I, I just, I wasn't a happy kid. I was not a happy kid at all. I remember, I can, you know how you remember little things from your childhood and you don't know why you remember those memories, but they're just in there. I remember my aunt, my aunt, when, when I was a kid, I, every time we'd visit her, she'd always say the same thing to me. She'd look at me and she goes, why are you never happy? I still, you know how you were, like certain things are ingrained in your head? Like I always remembered because it was like shocking. I really just looked sad all that time, you know, never have. And I also remember this other time. My dad was cooking and uh, you ever, uh, he was cooking a fish. And, 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 you know, when we cook a fish, we cook the whole fish. You know, the head, everything is just right there. And I remember just looking at the fish's face. And I remember just going up to my dad and go, man, he looks so sad. And I still remember my dad. He looked right at me and he goes, that how you always rook. <laughs> That's so weird. Like that, how I always rook. I mean, I always rook like that. You know, it's just, but that's. That was me. It was just like this kid that was just this mopey, problem-filled, stressed out, you know. I mean, even as a child, that just wasn't me, you know. And I'm not talking about the person that's just naturally happy because he's a happy person. That was not me at all. But you guys, there's this person called the Holy Spirit, okay? And when he comes into you, the Bible says you'll see the fruit of him. You'll see love and you'll see joy, and peace you'll, you'll, you'll see it it's it's a change in your life because of what's happened to you about god coming in your life and you recognize it and you can rejoice in the lord always it was such a blessing to me a few years ago when someone was interviewing my daughter unbeknownst to me you know it was at a, at a retreat i was speaking at and someone just interviewed my daughter and asked her questions about me the guy that was emceeing the thing 
And, and he asked my daughter, what's the first thing you think of when you think of your dad? And first thing out of her mouth was joyful. Joyful. That's how I always rook now. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it was like, wow. You know, it's, it's just, again, it's one of those, wow, that's what the Holy Spirit does. It's, don't you understand? We've got to stop looking at all the junk in all of our past and going, oh, but I could never be this. I could never be that. No, no. Through the Holy Spirit, I'm saying we ought to be children, the most peaceful, the most joyful people on the planet. Not that we don't go through difficult times and not that we don't struggle with this sometimes, but we've got to we've got to fight for our joy. We've got to rejoice in the Lord, not just sometimes, always this morning that are you rejoicing that your name's written in the book of life? Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. And then he says, let your reasonableness be made known to everyone. Okay, this is something everyone should see is that you are a reasonable person. You don't fly off the handle. That's what this reasonable means. He goes, let everyone see that everyone should know you. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you should be known as a joyful person and a reasonable person. That means something difficult happens in your life. You don't get angry like everyone else. You don't stress out like everyone. You just kind of take it and you go, well, you know what? Like Clayton, you know, everything's falling apart. But it's okay because this life's almost over anyways. My citizenship is in heaven. My mind is not set on earthly things. So when little earthly things fall apart, I'm not going to fall apart. But people say, wow, what is it? He's so reasonable. He goes, let everyone see this reasonableness. And why are you so reasonable? Here's the phrase. The Lord is at hand. Why do we just not care about a lot of these things? It's because you know what? The Lord's at hand. And what he's talking about, he's talking about the return of Jesus Christ. He has just said, look, we don't set our mind on earthly things. He says, instead, our citizenship is in heaven. And he says, and from it, we eagerly await a savior. We're waiting for him and we're eager. Like, come on, come, Lord Jesus, come today. Come today. Could you just come today? Because you're going to come at any moment. And he goes, you know what? The Lord's at hand. So we rejoice. So everything else, it really doesn't matter. And this idea of the Lord is at hand, man, don't miss it. I was preaching about this yesterday and and it kind of hit me as I was talking. I was realizing, wow, I've never really thought about this scene to this extent about the return of Christ. It's almost like, you know, when you watch a movie, you know, like Braveheart or something like that. And, you know, this whole movie's just building to this one scene or, you know, or, or uh, did you guys see Cinderella Man? That's like one of my favorite, you know, it's all just, you know, this guy got nothing and that final fight. And you're just like, oh, come on. You know, that battle, that moment where your heart's just leaping. It's a climax of the movie. And it's like, oh, the war is going to take place. And and do you understand that, that sometimes... We get so built up to some of these things. And yet when we talk about the return of Jesus Christ, we go, yeah, Jesus is coming back someday. <laughs> you know, that's like, wait, no, do you understand the immensity of the Lord is at hand? I caught a glimpse of this yesterday when I was preaching. I was preaching out of a Matthew 25 where it talks about the sheep and the goat judgment. You know, when Jesus returns and he separates everyone, he says, you guys, you know, he says to those on his left, you guys didn't really care about me. I was hungry. You didn't care. You're just into yourself. I was thirsty. You didn't, you didn't care. 
You just kind of want to take care of yourself, make sure you're taken care of. So I'm going to send you into this eternal fire. I mean, it was originally made for Satan and his demons, but now you're going to go there too. And then he says to those on his right, he goes, you guys, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, gave me something to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. You were thinking about me. And so come on in, come on in. And it's that last scene. And I was preaching about it. But if you notice in the beginning of the passage, it says when the son of man comes in all of his glory and all of his angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne and he will he will gather all of the nations together and he'll begin separating them. Like a, like a shepherd would separate the sheep from the goats. And I just pictured that scene. I don't know if you've ever pictured it, but think about this. The Son of Man, just first thing, when the Son of Man, Jesus comes in all of His glory. Just that. Just forget everything else right now. Picture Jesus coming out of heaven in all of His glory. Coming down right now in all of His glory. Not as a human being like He did the first time. Not in the form of an infant like He did the first time. No, now He's coming in all of His glory. Nothing else really matters at that moment does it he's coming in all of his glory and then it says not only is he coming in all of his glory but it says that all of his angels are with him now in revelation 5 it gives a scene of the angels and how there are 10,000 times 10,000 that's a hundred million try okay try to picture we've never seen a hundred million of anything But picture a hundred million just in your mind right now. What would that sky look like? A hundred million angels coming down the son of man in all of his glory right in the midst of them. And then he sits down on a throne and gathers everyone together. Everyone on this planet. I don't care how famous you're nothing at that point. Absolutely nothing at that point. Who are you, a little, you know, human being who couldn't take another breath without this God? And you're sitting amidst the Son of God in all of His glory and a hundred million angels and you're sitting there. Okay, that's a serious scene. That's a serious climax to this movie. And Paul says, look, you rejoice because you know that that's going to happen any second. Okay? And at that moment, because my name is written in that book of life... Because I've trusted in that Savior who died on that cross for me. And I've given my life to following Him. Not just saying I follow Him, but really following Him and going, what do you want me to do? And trusting. He goes, you know what? So rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice and let everyone see how reasonable you are. Because you don't care about all this stuff on the earth. This is the perfect time for this passage, man. When everyone else in the world is freaking out about our economy for us going... I don't care. Son of man's going to be coming any moment with a hundred million angels. Can you imagine what that's going to be like? And he's going to put me on his right and say, Francis over there with the sheep. And he's going to spend eternity with me. He's my son. He followed me. He looked after me when I was hungry. I'm going to look after him forever. He gave me something to drink when I was thirsty. And I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to give him living water for the forever for all of eternity. It's going to be worth it. And that's why the Bible says rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your, let your reasonableness be made known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. 
Don't be anxious about anything. Are you anxious about anything right now? Again, this is a command. You worried about your future? You worried about all that money you just lost? All that equity you just lost? You worried about it? He says, don't. He says, don't, don't worry about anything. Don't, don't worry about anything. Okay, what if, could you imagine if today, after service is over, you walk out one of these exits, and for the rest of your life, imagine, until the day you die, you never worried about a single thing. Could you imagine? Try to imagine what type of person you would look like if you never worried for the rest of your existence on this planet. Can you imagine how happy you'd be at the end of your life? Can you imagine how many people would like you? <laughs> and some of you guys hear that and you think, yeah, that would be nice. You guys, this is a command, okay? Let me, let me remind, sometimes we look at this like it's impossible. Come on, never worry. That's exactly the look you guys gave me when I talked about this. Like, come on, okay, Any, like anyone could ever not worry. Because this is a command like everything else. How come we don't look at the other commands like that? When I say, do not murder, you don't look at me like, yeah, right, like I'm going to go my whole life without killing anyone. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> this is, man, don't you understand this? we got to start looking at this and go, no, this is actually God's command. Don't you understand? That's what the commands are for. God gives us these commands not to rob us, to steal our joy. He goes, no, I give you these commands. These commands lead to life. I'm telling you, rejoice in the Lord always. Don't be anxious about it. I don't want my kids. I don't want people seeing my kids down on that earth all stressed out as though I'm not in control. I don't want my own children at home going, man, I wonder if dad's going to pay the bill. I wonder if it... it's like, just calm down. God's got it. Dad's got it. I just want you to go to school and have fun and screw around and throw a ball at your friend, whatever, you know, just go do it because you're my kids. And I want everyone to know that I got my I got my house taken care of. And God's saying the same thing. He goes, I, I want my children. I don't want them worrying about anything. I want them actually believing I'm in control of everything. So he says, don't be anxious about anything. Because I'm about to come with all of my angels and everything's going to be fine, right? So I'm in control. I know how this thing ends. And you as my kids should trust me. He says, don't be anxious about anything. He says, but in everything, in everything... By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. He goes, instead of stressing about it and worrying about it, I just want you to do one simple thing. Just tell me. With thanksgiving, say, hey, here's the problem. And then don't worry about it anymore. Just move on. Just move on. Go back to rejoicing. Go go out and play again. Just rejoice. That's the way God wants us to be. And, and you guys, I used to look at this and think, well, don't, don't be anxious about anything. But you know what? I'm a pastor, and so I worry about important things. You know? Like, these are people's lives at stake. This is people's eternal security at stake. So it's okay for me to worry a little bit. You guys, that, that's not what it's saying here. It's saying, no, I don't want any of my children worrying about anything. I want them to pray to me. But don't you sometimes pray about things and then worry about it still? This was something I was convicted about a, a, a few years ago, and I shared it with you guys, those of you guys who are here, because I said this. As, as a boss, some of you guys have some people under you. It, it could be at home or wherever or, you know, and children workers, whatever. You, you just have 
people who are supposed to follow your orders somewhere, right? Um, now, have you ever, you know, when you give someone an assignment, like, you know, you got all these tasks to do, and you're like, I'm going to hand this to this guy, I'm going to hand this to her, I'm going to hand this to this person. When you give them an assignment, do you worry about it getting done when you give someone an assignment? Usually, right? Yeah, it depends. Depends on who it is, right? I mean, usually, I mean, aren't there those people you give assignments to and you call them the next day? Hey, did you get it done? I didn't think you would. So that's why I'm calling you, you know, <laughs> get it done. And there's people like that. We all know who those people are and just great that it's none of us, right? And, uh, but, but all, all those people now, now are there times though, when you give someone a task and once you hand it off to them, you have total peace. You don't even worry about it. You know it's going to get done. Are there people, are, are there times when that happens? Why? Why is it that certain times you can not worry about it? Trust, yeah. You trust. That person's already proven herself. That person's proven himself. Every time I give him something, he gets it done. So what does that tell you about when you present a request to God and then you worry about it afterwards? Yeah, you don't trust God. That killed me when I figured that out. I thought, I don't really believe he's listening to me sometimes. I don't really believe that the God of the universe just heard my prayer and I told him, you know what? Here, I'm giving it to you. You do whatever is going to bring you most glory, what's best for me, for you, for the world. You just do it here. Here's my problem. And then afterwards, I'm like, man, is he really going to do it? God, did you do that? You know, I asked you a week ago and it doesn't seem like you're doing it the way I think you should do, you know? And we worry, we worry, we worry. Why? Because we don't trust. We don't really trust our prayers. Then when you don't trust your prayers, James says, you know, you're a double-minded man. You, you shouldn't expect anything from God because you pray and you doubt. He goes, and when you doubt, don't think you're going to receive anything. God wants us to go, wait, well, he did speak the world into existence. He could probably fix this. if He, want, he, he wants this confidence, this peace of his children. Of, of course you can do this. You're God Almighty. And I'm not going to worry about it afterwards. Because if there's one person I ought to be able to trust, it's you. So here it is. I told you. I prayed about it. I give it to you. I'm not complaining. I'm doing so with thanksgiving. So I'm going to go back out and play, all right? I'm going to go back out and just rejoice in the fact that you're going to return anytime. And even though I have all this trouble in this world, you said that, you know what, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. And so, God, I'm just not going to worry about it. I gave it to you. Whatever happens, happens. I'm going to work my best. I'm going to go on. But I'm going to keep rejoicing in you. Because I want the world to be envious of the dad that I have. And I want them to want him. But when his children are out, stressing out, freaked out like the rest of the world, why would they have any desire to have the God that you have? I'm telling you, this is a sin like every other sin. And I'm not trying to stress you out like, okay, I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to rejoice if it kills me. You know, no, it's, it's, but it is. I mean, really just look at things. Take things in perspective. That's why after he says that, he says, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If you really came into the presence of God and lifted it up to him, it says the peace of God. Think about just that phrase, the peace of God, the peace that God has. Can you imagine how much peace God has right now? I mean, we don't have peace at times because 
we don't have control, right? You're at peace when you're in control of everything. I'm in control of the situation. I got it figured out. So I'm at peace. It's those times when you realize you don't have control. But what if you're God and you can just make anything happen and you never wake up one day going, oh, what, what, what? And you're never surprised because you've ordained everything. The peace of God. Do you think God's ever stressed? Worried about the future? And he says, you see that peace? That's the peace you can have. See, because when you're close to God, when you're intimate with God in prayer and you realize, oh, that's right. You mapped out the beginning and the end in this book. You know everything that's going to happen, so you're not worried about it. I just poured out my heart and you're not even worried. You know everything. And you see that peace. The Bible says that'll be the peace that guards your heart. So that your heart's not freaking out. And you're not having all these problems and stressed out. Why? Because the peace of God is guarding your heart. That's why when other people are losing their mind, you're not losing your mind. You've got this reasonableness about you. Why? Because this peace of God. It's a peace that surpasses all comprehension, surpasses all understanding. I'm not just saying you deal with it a little bit better than someone else, but people ought to see a peace in us that's supernatural. Like, wow, you're really not worried about tomorrow, are you? You really are not stressed out that you just lost it. You, you, seriously, like it should be shocking because it's talking about a supernatural. It's talking about a peace that people don't understand. Like they should not get you. People should not get me and how calm I am and how I can just give and not worry and everything's good. Everything. They're like, man, I don't get that. Good. Because it's a piece that a, that a human being can't understand because it doesn't just come naturally. But this peace and this joy, that's why it'd be so wonderful for some of you that have spent your lives anxious, bitter, angry, you know, overreacting to everything. The Holy Spirit came into you and actually changed you now because people wouldn't understand that. It's like, oh man, that guy always overreacted. That guy always blew his, he always lost his temper. What happened? And you can say the Holy Spirit of God. It gave me a peace that I I didn't know. I, I didn't know I could be this joyful. I was never happy. Ask my aunt, you know, I was never peaceful. I, I don't get it. I don't even get it completely. I just know that this father I have, he's changed everything in me. And I really, I'm not worried about, I really am not worried about the future. And yeah, difficult things happen. I still cry. I still have rough days. But you know what? In in general, it's all okay because the Lord's near. The Lord's at hand. And then he says this, and we'll close with this. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true... Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. See, you see, when he says, after he says all that, and we focused on rejoicing in the Lord, then he goes, he goes, now what you dwell on, he goes, what is, what do you think about all day? He goes, do you dwell, when, do you dwell on the things that are honorable, that are true, just, pure, lovely, the things that are excellent, the things that are worthy of praise, do you dwell? Is that what you think about all day? Do you think about the return of Christ? 
Do, do you think about that picture of, of that God coming down on the earth with a hundred million angels to take you home? Do you just think of that and think, wow, my name's written in the book of life. And any second, I'm just set forever. Does your mind dwell on that? Because that's worthy of praise, right? That's pretty excellent. That's pretty pure. Or do you focus on your problems? See, that's when we lose it is when we focus on the problems. It doesn't matter how small your problem is. If it's right there in your face, you won't see everything else because you tend to dwell on it. And that's what I did for many years. Here's what a lot of you guys do. You have a problem. So you just stare at it and pretty soon you can't see anything else. You're just going, man, that is a big problem. And you're just looking at all facets of it. And what stinks is everyone that you see looks at you and goes, hey, looks like you got a problem. And that's all they see in you. Wow. You know, wow, she's got problems. You know, it's just that's that's all, you, you know, because it's just right there in your face and you're dwelling on it. And 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 everyone just looks and that's all they see in you. Rather than a person that's dwelling on the things that are true, that are excellent, that are praiseworthy. I mean, where's your focus, you guys? I mean, God wants, he wants to see his children down here. Man, even through the suffering. I remember Paul suffered. We're not talking about having the perfect life here and the wonderful life in the sense that, oh man, you know, everything just works my way. No, we're talking about, about a guy that's been beaten, the guy that's lost everything, the guy that has nothing. But he's rejoicing and he's not dwelling on his problems. His, his citizenship's in heaven and he just can't wait for that time when Jesus Christ returns. And that's what he's known for. But what about you? What do people see when they see you? Are they shocked by your supernatural peace and your rejoicing? I'm going to have the worship team come up right now. And we're going to sing a song. Um, I, I love this song because it, it's, it, it says these words. It goes, how can I keep from singing your praise? How can I ever say enough? How amazing is your love? It's, 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 it's when you dwell all, all day on the goodness of God. It's like, man, how can you help but, but scream? And how can you help but just shout and say, man, my God is so good. And I understand. And, and here's the thing. is Some of you today may go, I don't know if I can rejoice right now. I don't know. I'm having a hard time. And that's what the body of Christ is for, is that every once in a while, you know what? You have those days. I had one of those days. Remember that a couple of months ago? I had a bad day, you know? And, and what, what happened? You know, the elders came, you know, after the service, like, whoa, what's wrong with you? You know, and uh, this is not you, you know, snap out of it. And they laid hands on me, prayed on me. And it's like, you know what? Thanks, you guys. You know, that's what the body Christ is supposed to do. And there may be some of you today who say, you know what? I am. That is me. I am a joyful person. I'm just in a rut right now. I, it's something, you know, maybe something's gone on. Something's happened. And, or maybe it's, it's, you know what? You talk about this rejoicing because of the return of Christ. And I'm not sure I'm real happy about him returning. I might not be on his right side. That's why I'm freaked out. I don't have that peace you have. You're like, oh, yeah, my name's written in heaven. I don't know if mine is. Maybe that's what you're saying. I don't know if my name's up there. I don't know if I ever really gave my life to the Lord. I mean, I prayed this prayer, but I never saw any fruit. And I'm just wondering about this whole thing. Man, I'm telling you, that's what the body of Christ is for. Let us pray for you. Let's talk this through. There'll, there'll, be, there's, there'll be pastors up here by the prayer room to pray with you. 
to talk it through with you. And maybe today's a day, you know, where you want to get baptized. Say, you know what? I want to be on this side. I'm done with that old life. I'm ready to follow this Jesus now and rejoice in him. And if that's you, then come forward and pray during this time. But the rest of us, there ought to be something in you that's just springing up. That's what I love about this song. It's like there are times, I don't know if you have those times when you just can't even contain your joy. You just want to scream. You just want to shout. And it's like all day long, the more I dwell on you, God, I just want to scream. I mean, how can I keep from singing your praise? And so if that's you, man, even if it's not you, pray that it becomes you. And pray that we would be a congregation that doesn't look like the rest of the world that is stressed out right now. But we're rejoicing because the Lord's at hand. A hundred million angels. The Son of God in all of His glory. Let's stand and let's worship Him.